Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. It's not about being selfless, right? Reminding yourself of who you are, your values, your needs in order to be a good mom. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 347. Today, we're talking about whether you are a selfish, selfless parent with Dr. Jenny Wu. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad that you are here with us on the Mindful Mama podcast today. Hey, listen, if you have not yet done so, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you have ever gotten any value from this podcast, please do me a favor and go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more. It takes 10 seconds of your time, and I really greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Jenny Wu, a Harvard educator and creator of the award-winning 52 Essential Conversations. Her social-emotional learning games are used by parents and teachers in 50-plus countries. And we are going to be talking about this idea, you know, that a good mom is a kind, selfless, and caring idea. And is that true, right? Uh, You know, we're going to talk about 
are you a good enough parent, right? And we're going to even talk about like, why do parents become helicopter parents? And in fact, what do children actually need? What do they really need to have that essential social emotional learning so that they can regulate their own feelings, right? Essential, essential stuff. Before we dive in, I just want to let you know that the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training is now enrolling for the fall. Do you want to bring Mindful Parenting course? Do you want to bring that to your community? Maybe you're a therapist, maybe you're a teacher, a doula, or you're just like super passionate about parenting, then you might be perfect for the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training Program. It's a five-month intensive program. It can be done from anywhere around the world, and it gives you literally everything you need to bring Mindful Parenting to your community. So to learn more and apply to the program, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. And now join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Jenny Wu. So I love this story that you share. You did a TEDx talk and you shared a story about how you screamed at your husband for not cooing at the baby. I was wondering if you could share that story and kind of where your mind was at the moment. Sure. So I am a parent of three now, but back then as a new mama, right, of one, and just being with your new baby, you witness every single little, you know, coups and changes. And so it was this period of time when um, our baby started cooing and making sounds. And I was just like, you know, yes, yes, talk to me. Uh huh. <laughs> and then there goes my husband. He just didn't quite share this very same enthusiasm and sort of um, curiosity as I did. And I was just like, you know, first I got a little peeve. I being a, a person who worked in human development, I said, you know what, I'm going to give him more time. I'm going to do some role modeling. I'm going to just see, you know, if my husband is going to start <laughs> cooing back, if that breakthrough is going to come. And, you know, I think I waited 24 for, hours later. Exactly. <laughs> patiently for 24 hours. Still no cooing responses back, that reciprocation. And so like, I got mad. I think it was the combination of hormones and just kind of like, how could you, how could you not feel what I'm feeling in such expressive way that I am, you know, so I screamed at him. I was like, come back. What are you doing? So that was the context of screaming at my husband. How did he take it? You know, I think he was probably a little bit taken aback, but to be honest, I mean, being a new parent, you're, you're probably screaming at a lot of different things, right? Get the milk ready, (laughs) wash the bottle. I need to pump. I need to, the baby's crying, you know? So, um, he was a little taken aback, but I think in the midst of everything, it was another sort of thing that he needed to think about my husband. Right. Um, but I think it's really a growing process for the both of us, right? To I think it's not only understanding this new life you've created together, but it's also understanding each other and understanding yourself through mm. the process. Yeah, yeah. And so you were wanting to be, and you shared in this, I, I could relate to this idea, you know, you wanted to be a good mom. Obviously you were very intense about cooing, <laughs> you know, you wanted to do things right. Obviously now you're like, you know, you're, you're a Harvard educator, you know, you're, you're one of those people who like gets the good grades and does the things right. Probably. I'm just going to make a guess here about that. And 
So that with the cultural, uh, you know, directive of to be a good mom, you're, you're selfless, you're caring. And you talked about this idea about the good mom and how you were kind of like having some friction with that. And I was wondering if you could just like talk about that a little bit, the, the problems that you were coming across with that. Yeah, I, I think there's such an expectation, both just right up front in your face, but also the underlining expectations for women these days, you know, what being a good mom means. And a lot of the times it means, you know, we use this word selfless sacrifices, right? Those are the things that we cherish, right? Those are the selfless mom moments where, you know, you look anecdotally, you know, you, you see a post, you see somebody do, you know, that warms your heart. But what is not being said, which rubs me the wrong way is, is really what, what does this woman need, right? What do you need? And how can you fill up you know, your, um, what you need, right? Put that oxygen mask first in order to continuously sustain this type of energy to, to be there for your child, for your family, to be selfless in a way, right? So I think that that's why, you know, you mentioned my TEDx talk. I, I sort of played on that word, right? I said, it's not about being selfless um, and it's not about being selfish, but it's about being self hyphen ish being self ish right reminding yourself of who you are your values and you need your needs in order to be a good mom in the very whole sense for your child and and when i say whole you know we also talk about the whole child approach right but what about the whole parent approach yeah i mean i love that did you find yourself getting not like in that first year, did you find yourself not meeting your own needs? Did you, or getting burnt out or, and what did you do to self-correct from that? Yeah, I definitely found that, but I don't think it quite surfaced as, you know, I, I'm getting burnt out. I need some support. I need to do some self-care, but it was rather at the time, very initially, it was, what is wrong with you? right? Mm -hmm. Why can't you handle it? Right. And it's, it's a lot of moments of that Pinterest type of, this is how it looks. And then here I am, this is my picture of the Pinterest fail, right. Type of moments. And you sort of, you feel very conflicted because, you know, I teach emotional intelligence and I study it, right. So emotions are essentially cues, they're data, they tell you what you need, right? And when there's a need that's not being fulfilled, it could, you know, manifest into resentment, right? Into self-blame, into guilt, shame. And those are the things, but if we don't know what the motion is really telling us and we, we're sort of cognitively interpreting it in such way that saying, you know, you're not selfless enough or you're not tough enough, right? That is going completely the opposite way. So I think, you know, to answer the latter half of your question, like what did I do to, to kind of correct that, right? Honestly, it, it, it's been a process, right? You don't just one day wake up and say, ah, here I am. I want to focus on myself, right? No, I think it's very much a process. And it's, it's one of those things where you continue to feel like the grass is greener on the other side. Why can't I do this? If I had this, it would have been better. But it's, it's really understanding slowly what you need. And honestly, what has helped me is to start working in schools, 
to, to understand other parents, teachers, and children, um, and what's happening in their context. And that is really the reality of things that normalizes for you. I, I'm like, oh, I had my aha moment going, well, everybody is struggling. Mm. Everybody mm. is trying to do the best they can under the circumstances for their children. And guess what? Everybody's doing it differently, but that doesn't mean that they don't love their children any you know, less, right? So that is the aha moment for me. Do my best, but also understand, you know, if you do the best for yourself, then it helps you do better for everyone. I love that, that idea of like what normalized things for you was this, um, this community piece, right? This not being an isolation piece, this piece of like seeing other people and just kind of remembering that, you know, which is hard. It's harder even now. I mean, that's what the pandemic has made incredibly hard, right? Is the isolation. And so everything is mediated by the screens now. And so it's, it's even harder, right? Than it was, but that, that piece of like, oh, I'm not alone is, is huge. You know, even though this is this Pinterest North star is all I'm seeing. Like the truth is I'm not alone and we're all struggling. Yeah. And you know, this reminds me of an article I actually just read a couple of days ago and it was right now during the pandemic, which I have so many, <laughs> we're officially out of the pandemic, the COVID jail in our household, by the way. <laughs> so, so much to say on that front, but, um, it was a breath of fresh air when I read this article where a mom somewhere, I forget what state, she organized a little mini event where her neighborhood uh, mom just come out to the track field and you just have a screen fest. <laughs> In the night, you can howl, you can scream all you want, but just kind of letting out those frustrations and energy. Can you imagine screaming at the top of your lung, expressing your frustration finally, right? And then hearing oh, so the sorry. other moms echoing through. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's, that's actually very, very um, cathartic, uh, refreshing. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And the season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. 
I highly recommend this podcast. It is really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. At one point, I think like when 2020 was over, the first day of 2021, I wrote 2020 on an old plate and I broke it in my in my driveway. It was really felt good to like smash that 2020 plate. I, I don't know about, you know, 2021 had its own, has its own challenges, had its own challenges, obviously. But um, yeah, there's there's something to that, right? It's like that those emotions of 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 like frustration and anger and stuckness and all those things, those are felt, you know, those are felt sensations in the body. That's energy in the body. That's muscles tightening. That's blood flowing. And that needs to be released to be processed. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, So cool. Um, So this idea, right. Of, of, oh, I need to be selfless and all that stuff that leads to um, that. I think that personally, I was just going to ask you like, why that, parents become kind of a helicopter parent, but you talk about this idea of the helicopter as the selfish selfless syndrome. So, so, I mean, this is the, this is like the busy, like I'm taking my four-year-old to soccer, then we're going to swimming and we're going to like be getting dinner at fast food on the way home and and that kind of thing. Um, What's driving this and how can we break out of that cycle if we're, we're starting to be in it? Yeah. You know, I was listening to one of your uh, most recent episodes where you gave the three advice, and I think that just entirely spoke to it. Um, I think it was this might have been the second one where, you know, you cannot equate your mothering success, right, Mm -hmm. to the behaviors of your children. And I think when you become that helicopter parent, you are shielding, hovering, you know, to ensure that your child is behaving and presenting, right, him or herself in such way that, you know, uh, meets your desire, right? And which then feeds into, you know, hey, your self message, right? 
I'm a good mom. I'm doing all this. There's no failing. There's no mistake. This is, you know, this is great. It's that Pinterest right picture again, right? Mm -hmm. So that is what I mean um, by like the selfless, um, selfish mom kind of thing. And so I, I love your advice, right? So, so to break free of that is, is really being mindful, right? That you and your children are separate people, and behavior is, is really, it, it's, it's also cues for your child to tell you, to tell the world what they need. And if there are negative behaviors, it's really a sign that there's a need that it's being unfulfilled, or perhaps your child needs help in articulating these needs because they're struggling with that, right? I think for me, having three children and two of which are twins, and they're, they could not be any different. Let me tell you, could not be any different. Raised in the same household, you know, gap of a minute in birth, but they are so polar different. And so that is a reality check for me. And, you know, I, I cannot equate my success to their behaviors. And they are behavior in, like little own people and so differently, right? So I think for all of us, we have to understand it, it's a process of growth. They are learning, they are growing. Be patient with them, be patient with yourself, right? And mm. they are not you. Yeah, and growth means mistakes. Like I think that a lot of us weren't really allowed to make mistakes, right? Like, especially if we're like those achievement oriented kids, right? Like, like get the good grades, get into the good college. You know, you're just not, you just not, you don't feel like you can make mistakes. And, um, and that's what growth implies. I think that the, all the whole, um, emphasis on like, Oh, what did you, is, who is it that asks, tells you to ask your kids, what did you fail at today? Or, you know, I, I forget that that was, or, or what did you, what did you mess up today? You know, to just normalize that thing. I think that's a smart approach to kind of counteract this, uh, hyper achievement that there has been a push for for so long. Yeah, and you know, I tell the parents, you know, you need to model not so much the perfectionistic parent, right? I encourage them to make mistakes. You know, if our children can witness us making those mistakes and learning alongside of them, I mean, I think that is more valuable than telling them from right off the bat, you know, to do this way to do it correctly without making any mistakes. Um, again, normalizing right within themselves and also role modeling that mistakes are good. And that's really, you know, when you practice a sport, when you practice an instrument, when you practice whatever, right? When I notice my kids get frustrated, you know, because they can't get something right. And I said, you know what, this is, this is what practice is right to make mistake and to challenge yourself right so if we can reframe these things into something that is positive and it's a signal of learning I, I think you know it would be a lot less stress on all of our parts amen amen to that well Jenny what we're talking about here which I think is so interesting is that you're talking about we're talking about like kind of an emotion, uh, em emotional intelligence, research-based kind of style of parenting, right? Where we're kind of understanding that behaviors are an expression of needs. But I think that a lot of, you know, the, the country as a whole is like moving very slowly, right? From the a kind of behaviorist 
uh, base of, of parenting where you reward or punish behaviors that you see, want to see, or don't want to see. And I'm wondering, you know, you, um, I'm wondering like, is this style different from how you were raised, right? Like, were you raised in that sort of more old school behaviors way, way, uh, way of parenting and, and how did things change for you? If so? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm Chinese. I know there's a lot of stereotypes around, you know, the tiger parent. Um, so we call the tiger mom and the wolf dads. <laughs> That's what Ooh, we call. <laughs> wolf dads. I hadn't heard that one. Exactly. New terms that I'm actually picking up myself. Um, but interestingly, I was actually raised by panda parents. Oh, <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Pandas, they just sit and chillax, chew on some bamboo. <laughs> That, that I was actually my upbringing, but it, it is a bit different because I was mostly raised by my grandparents um, and then mm. was with my parents, my panda parents, um, when I was maybe like 10-ish. Um, so well raised by my grandparents. They were they were not the tiger, stereotypical type of tiger parents either, but certainly when I was in China, right, the culture was very high achievement based. And it was because there are so many of you know, large population in order at that time to differentiate yourself, to accelerate, you had to meet the grades, you had to do all that, right? Mm -hmm. So I certainly soaked in a lot of that, right? And I think by nature, personality-wise, I like to achieve and be that perfectionist, right? Are um, you a first child? I'm I guess. Only child. Only child. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized that. So first only child. Yeah, okay. Exactly the combo. But but I lived with my cousins who are younger. Um, so just to complicate it a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> um uh I think dealing with that, um, you know, I it served you well, I have to say. And having been a management consultant doing a lot of um coaching, leadership development, and the corporate workplace, it certainly serves you well to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it probably got you into a good college, mm -hmm. a good work, but I have to say, but um, what got you there is not going to get you to the next level, mm -hmm. whether it's the next level of work, uh, the roles that you in, and as a parent, it will honestly screw you right up. <laughs> <laughs> So that is when I, I got my lesson. I, I, I got schooled. <laughs> um, and, you know, to understand that, I think, you know, you, you, you mentioned community, right? When you are in such a mindset of differentiating yourself achievement, mm. you forget the village, right? Mm. Um, that it takes, you stand on the shoulders of the giant in order to be where you are. And, you know, this, this very importance of uplift, uplifting others, right? instead of doing the combative, like, let's do this, we got to do this, move on to the next thing, right? So that's really important. That's what I saw in the workplaces when some of the really high achieving folks, when they could not make the cut for the next sort of leadership level, they were actually not missing their skill sets, but they were missing that, right? And being mm -hmm. able to be in tuned emotionally to other people's needs. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. 
and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, so kind of like this, this sense of interconnection, right, that we really need right now. I mean, collectively, the world needs the sense of interconnection to be able to solve the bigger problems we need to work collectively. So you kind of shifted from sort of one to the other. I love that panda parents. That is so darn cute. (laughs) And I'm just, I I love that. So you, you came by nature to some ways, like to your like, in you, you had like a, a, an achievement oriented, like, towards cooing right? <laughs> like I must be like really soft working hard on it <laughs> That's yeah, so I'm like great. what is happening to me <laughs> <laughs> I love it so um you also talk about what both parents and children need, how it's the same thing. And I would just love for you to just clarify that like this in, in your Ted talk, you talk about how we both need the same thing. Um, and then, um, I'll just let you take that from here. (laughs) Yeah. You know, honestly, we all need unconditional love Mm. and respect, right. Mm. With unconditional being sort of underlying and bolded. (laughs) Um, You know, the world is filled with obligations and expectations. As adults, we get that every single minute and second, right? Um, And our kids have only been on this world for mere, you know, years, right? And yet we are burdening them with so much expectation. And if you do this, then you get to do this, you know, the reward pieces, right, that I see so much these days. And, you know, I hate to say this, and I'm at fault sometimes where, you know, we also use our love as a type of reward system, right? If you do this, I'm going to hug you, I'm going to smile at you, I'm going to love you, right? Mm -hmm. And how, you know, just, it's, it's a little tragic, right, in that sense. And, you know, many of us perhaps have grown up with the same exposure to this type of, you know, love conditioning, uh, rewarding system, right? And you can imagine, you know, and I teach at the university level as well. So I get this a lot, you know, even at, you know, the 20s, early 20s, when they do their reflective writing pieces and how they talk, I can imagine like, this is how you talk to yourself. 
Like I will love myself more if only, right? Fill in the blank. If only I were smarter, if only I was skinnier, if only I could do this, if only, if only, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's the piece where no matter if you're an adult or a child, we all need unconditional love from each other and from ourselves. This sense of I, yeah, acceptance, right, is what you're describing. Like, I accept you. And to accept ourselves unconditionally to for to accept our kids unconditionally means we have to be able to manage and handle all kinds of emotions, right? Because to say to accept our kids unconditionally means to be able to display acceptance, even when they may be acting like a wild person or being really mean or having an attitude and things like that. How can parents do I I know that how can parents do that and and also how how are we feeding are we feeding bad behaviors right when if we are accepting of them yeah you know oh my gosh so much to say so remind me so first I'll talk the science piece but accepting you know I, I think sometimes there is this fear in us that if we accept them it might make them less motivated or maybe lazier or less willing to be better, right? To change, right? If we sort of endorse this type of behavior, if it's a bad one or this particular habit or this quirk of who they are, right? Um, But I think that is not true. You know, I think our deepest fear of doing that so that maybe they're not motivated to push themselves is, is unfounded. And I'm just going to go back to the science piece and I'll put it together. So science-wise, I think as parents, we also have to recognize that our children's brain are developing, still developing. And in fact, the, you know, recent neuroscience research shows that our brain don't really mature till really way into the mid twenties. And, you know, Fortunately and unfortunately for us parents, the part of their brain that really develops last is the rational brain. Sort of the brain that really can kind of, when it comes to impulse control, when it comes to not blurt out something that is inappropriate or doing something that is, you know, highly sensitive and reactive, right? That is the last brain to develop. And one of the first parts of the brain to develop is actually the emotional part of your brain. It's a very primitive part of your brain. And honestly, that develops for survival purpose, right? When we recognize fear, we can, you know, do the flight, you know, freeze or fight, you know, accordingly, that is to help us survive. But this day and age, right, because the emotional part of the brain is so mature and reactive to things, right? it kind of hijacks our ability to rationalize, right? So when our child is upset or witnessed something, did something or the sibling rivalry thing, right? Um, They react and we cannot always, you know, we can't fault them because why are you reacting to this? Why are you, you know, but that is because they are doing what they're supposed to do. It shows that the emotional sides of their brain are maturing. They are 
surviving, right? Protecting themselves, not in, you know, the most appropriate way, but they are doing, they are reacting to their emotions, right? So as parents, again, we have to be patient, recognizing that they are developing. They are going through so much, right? From puberty and um, peers and all that stuff. So being able to help them, to support them in that process and recognizing and giving them the tools and the strategies to understand how they may behave otherwise or how they may communicate their needs in a way that is really being heard and being seen. Right. Mm. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. So, you know, so you're saying that these behave any, you know, behaviors that may be acting out emotions that are reactive, like hitting the little brother or, or n- destroying the, you know, the little sister's toys or whatever it is, like those are things that are reactions to, you know, survival behaviors, feeling or, or emotions and feelings. And so what we need to do in that moment is to to accept that they're going to have these feelings. That's okay. The feelings are okay, but you're saying, what do they need to learn? What do they need to learn to express that in a way that's acceptable? Right. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Giving them the words, right. The, the, the terms, the words to be able to articulate their needs, giving them some coping skills to understand. Yeah. You know, some of these big emotions are unavoidable, but how can you mindfully diffuse that, right? Or, you know, if it happened, it happened, right? But looking back, right, what can you do that's better? And, you know, to be honest, this is not just kids, right? Us adults, we have our reactive moments, you know? It's like the time where, you know, you scream at your kid for screaming at, you know, the the little sister, right? And you're like, wait a minute, I literally just screamed and told my kid to not scream, right? (laughs) So so I think it's also being mindful to to be the role model, right? To, To model good behaviors. And you know what? If you don't, that's okay. Then to apologize and to revisit what just happened and collectively, you know, work on it together. I have a, a lot of parents in uh, mindful parenting who are learning skills like this, like how to regulate their feelings and how to communicate more effectively. And a lot of them, there are a good number that have a parenting partner who says, this is too soft. This is BS, all that stuff. What do you say to those people who are really skeptical of this approach? Yeah, I, you know, I have, I do have uh, moms that are like, can somebody please explain brain development to my husband? He refuses to understand that our, you know, three-year-old can't just stop a tantrum. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I honestly, it's a process. I think for the adults, especially the skeptical ones, it's, it's very much about unlearning right? On learning these sets of beliefs that you have about how we operate and how kids might actually operate differently because of biological, you know, physiological and all that developmental um, differences. So it's first, um, it's about educating them, you know, Mm. utilizing science, but in a very layman's term, right? And to, to, I use also, I ask, you know, how were you as a child, right? How were you raised, right? Did your parents scream at you or, you know, hit you or did something where you did something wrong? How did that make you feel? 
you know, and also asking them, you know, what does it take to be a good parent? What is a, what is a good parent? What does it look to you? What does it mean to you? And also what matters the most to you as a parent, right? Um, in terms of your children, like what, what do you think, what do you foresee them to be so that you can rest in peace knowing that they're set for life, right? So I think it's bringing the big picture um, to really understand what it means to be a parent, the joys of parenting, right? Is mm. really in the process and helping them to accept and appreciate the process. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can, yeah. It's hard, right? Like all of this did, requires like some bandwidth, some space, some time. And, and that seems to be getting shorter and shorter and smaller and smaller for, for everyone. Right. Like as our, as our world gets faster and faster. Yeah. Can we just really acknowledge, right? I mean, all this is good on paper and said, right. But honestly, it, it has been so hard. We we all have so much on our plate. And with COVID, I mean, it's incredible. Just we, you know, as a generation, like what we're going through, right? So, so I think the underlining point is also to be kind to yourself. I think that is also a really good starting point. Good enough is like, that's exactly. like the top. That's the best we're doing, right? Anyway, it's good enough. Yes. <laughs> so tell me about the 52 Essential Conversations cards. I have them here. We'll playing, playing card deck with a little brain on the front. What led you to develop these and, and tell me more about them? Yeah, you know, it's actually very much on this similar topic, right? Who has the time for a book or a manual or, you know, um, if especially I'm talking about the skeptical books, right? They mm. first, there's no willingness. And secondly, there's no time. And so this double whammy, you're, you're screwed, right? So I was trying to think of ways to sort of first, how do you diffuse skepticism, right? Can it be just playing cards, which these cards are, they're harmless, harmless little playing cards. And how can you help people recognize the beauty of parenting, the joy of the good and the bad, right? Through conversations, through everyday conversations that happen, whether you're in the car to school, you're waiting before a, you know, a game on the soccer field, right? Or, you know, before bedtime. So I wanted to create something that is just easy as easy as it can be, but at the same time, as evidence-based as it can be. So when I was researching at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, sort of have child development, that neuroscience aspect, and the other half in education, I thought about, can I make these playing cards where parents can engage in these conversations that don't naturally come, you know, uh, wherever, that needs a little sort of nudge, right? Um, so that they can truly understand each other um, and themselves. And you know, like when you try to lecture your child, whether it's a teen, especially, right? They're not going <laughs> to listen. You're going to get the eye roll, you know? And if you try to schedule time with your child, it's, it's really, really hard to get that undivided attention. So the cards come with you. You go anywhere you like, whether it's hiking, you pull out a card and they're actually curated in a way that it's focused around emotion regulation, self-awareness, 
social skills, building healthy, meaningful relationships, right, and making good, responsible decisions. And it's also curated by age, sort of by your developmental, like what is what is an easy concept and what you can build upon that easy concept progressively. So it's curated in a way that you can just look at the cards. You're like, I know I'm going to, I would like to play this card and talk about it, right? And, and so that really is the purpose. And honestly, I, I say these cards are the training wheels. It, it actually brightens up my day to know that you no longer need the cards, that it's just a habit, right? Um, mm. It's another conversation that is that you can you can say seamlessly, right, on your own as a household. That is when um, you've achieved it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so some examples here are two of hearts, expectations. Name three things that your family expects you to do at home. What do you expect yourself to do every day? Four of hearts, curiosity. Come up with an I wonder question about something you saw or did today. I love these. I wish I had kind of use them when my daughters were little. I think now that they're 14 and 11, they might be a little, <laughs> they would give me the big old eye roll <laughs> if I started to pull out the mind brain cards at this point. But we have conversations, maybe not quite in the same way, but I love that. And do you, how do you see, um, what kind of ages do you see people using them at? Yeah, this is a, um, I, I love that you mentioned about sort of your personal example. So the yellow card, the 52 essential conversations is really around, I, I would say, um, you can kind of support your child at the preschool level, but it goes up to, um, Upper, upper elementary school, middle school-ish. But then I also have three other decks of cards, which um, kind of progressively layer on. So there's the relationship, 52 essential relationships. And that is more of um, middle school, high school level, as well as between couples, right? How can we diffuse tension, right? How can we truly hear and be heard? And it also supports our children in finding sort of mentors and asking for help. So that's another one. And then I have the coping skills, which was inspired by the by the pandemic. Um, and that is actually high school all the way through adults um, and the fourth one as well. Oh, wow. All right. Awesome. I love this. So obviously, uh, Jenny, you, you know, you care about like human relationships, right? Like relationships between parents and kids and and, and, and parents and, and their partners and all these things. Do you think that, what are, what do you think, do you think people are giving their relationships enough? Uh, like, are we investing enough in our relationships? And what are some things that we could do to invest in our relationships a little bit more if we're not? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you know, it's sort of, all relative, to be honest, and there is only so much time in the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, I just read somewhere, especially, you know, sort of the midlife around that age, uh, 30 to 40 something ish, especially for women, we tend to lose a lot of friendships because we, mm -hmm. we're just tapped out. We don't have a lot of time. And it's something like we could be surrounded by people, but yet we feel so isolated and lonely, right? And I think to work on that is a lot of the times, again, this goes to selflessness. We want this particular persona, you know, we want to be seen as that mom, the selfless mom or the mom who is doing really well. But I think it helps if we ask 
for help, actually. We give help and we ask for help. And we show that we are vulnerable and we just show our true selves, right? That we're not perfect. We're struggling. And by the way, hey, you know, oh, you're struggling too, you know? Um, I think that is a great way of opening up that conversation and opening up that relationship, um, you know, and and it is, it is very hard to go out of your way, right, to, to make new friends. But I think we have to understand that that also fills our sort of our energy, our warm and fuzzy jar, so to speak, right, when we show kindness and we receive kindness with others. So it, it starts, a lot of the times it starts with our children's parents, right, with our community, with our neighbors, right, or whether it's on social media. But I think it's it's even like just five, 10 minutes out of your day, send a text, right? Show someone that you care, um, go a long way. Mm. Is I love that. I love that how I asked you, you know, I asked you about like our relationships and I talked about sort of kids and our partner and things like that. And I love how you, you tur- pulled this back around to, you know, yes, these, these relationships are matter and important. We've been talking about them. We talk about them a lot. And this is these friendships, right? These other relationships, these also matter. Like all of these things, you know, it's not about, it's not about like just achievement going, going. It's about what is the quality of your life? You know, you, dear listener, like what is the quality of your life? And what, uh, Dr. Jenny is saying to you is like, look at these, look at even your friendships, right? These things that you might be taking uh, for granted at the moment be in the name of achievement and doing and getting things done if you're in the middle of your life. Yeah, and you know, thank you for clarifying as well, right? I think the same approach definitely goes with with our family, right? With our Mm. significant other, it's that five, 10 minutes. And, And I use humor a lot. Right. Um, I think something that brings a smile to the face, whether it's self-deprecating or, you know, just being amused at something you did or something your, you know, your children, the children that you share did in a really comical way um, is a great way of just acknowledging each other and sort of this, this both frustrating but incredible journey that you're you're embarking on. I couldn't agree more. Like the humor, self-deprecating humor really helps a lot um, in smoothing things, you know, with the, when you have adolescent kids. Yeah. Uh, s- silly voices surprisingly are great when you have really little kids, but also at all ages, silly voices are fabulous. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Jenny, this is such a pleasure to talk to you today. I really, really appreciate it. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that we missed that you that you want to bring to the forefront before we close out this conversation? Wow, we've covered so many. I really enjoyed our our dialogue. I, I think you know this again traces back to what I mentioned. You know, let's be kind to ourselves. I think if if you are kinder to yourself, you're going to be kinder to each other, whoever that other person that you may have in mind at this point, um, and kinder to our children. I think it's embracing the process, right? The process of making mistake and learning together. And honestly, that really is what makes life, life. 
That's so beautiful. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. And where can people find out more about what you're doing and the 52 Essential Conversations cards? Sure. Um, you can visit mindbrainparenting.org. Um, you, I have tons of resources that you can look through some, uh, even some fun quizzes <laughs> that you can play around about yourselves, um, your uh, loved one and your children. So check that out. And then um, not very active in social media, trying to be more, uh, but you can also follow Mind Brain Parenting um, on Instagram and Facebook. Well, thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your honesty and your sharing and your learning and, and for coming on today to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Hunter. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What an awesome episode. I loved talking to Dr. Jenny. So, so great. What are your ahas? I would love to know. Listen, if you love this episode, please do me a favor. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it at mindfulmamamentor. You know, and you might as well then follow me there and fill your feed with some mindful parenting inspiration. And then if you're ever ready to take it further, learn more about the Mindful Parenting Membership at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This is, you know, I love being able to offer this podcast, but the people I help most are those that join Mindful Parenting. You know, someone asked me recently, why is this different? Can I just read your book? And I put everything I have in the Mindful Parenting membership. I connect with people personally one-on-one three times a month. This is where you really get the rubber meets the road as far as getting the support, the accountability, and all the tools you absolutely need. It's awesome. So if you want to learn more, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. I think that's it. That's all I got for you today. I'm so excited that we were able to connect today. I've an awesome episode for you again next week. We're going to be talking with Vanessa LaPointe about raising a spirited child. I got some spirited children. Do you? I'm sure I was one. So yes, please, please make sure you are signed in then. And I hope in the meantime that you have peace, that you have ease and you have rest in your days. I hope you're able to be present for this amazing time. And I hope you're able to laugh at some of your mistakes and offer yourself some grace and compassion and all that we all need. It's hard to be human, you know? It's hard to be human and have little humans. Oh my goodness. So I'm wishing you all of those things, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. definitely do it it's really helpful it will change your relationship with your kids for the better it will help you communicate better and just I'd say communicate better as a person as a wife as a spouse it's been really a positive influence in our lives so definitely do it I'd say definitely do it it's so worth it the money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting.
Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.